This podcast is made possible by the generous support of the Center for Restorative Breast Surgery. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the BreastCancer.org podcast. I'm Jamie DiPolo, the senior editor at BreastCancer.org. Our guest today is Dr. Frank Delacroix, or Dr. D, as he has come to be known. He's a founding partner of the Center for Restorative Breast Surgery and St. Charles Surgical Hospital in New Orleans. Board certified in plastic surgery, Dr. D has performed thousands of reconstructive procedures, both for women diagnosed with breast cancer and women at high risk of the disease who choose to have prophylactic breast removal. He is a fellow of the American College of Surgeons and a member of numerous professional societies, including the American Society of Plastic and Reconstructive Constructive Surgery, the American Society for Reconstructive Microsurgery, and the World Society for Reconstructive Microsurgery. He also has been named one of the best doctors in America. Today, he joins us to talk about revision reconstruction. Dr. D, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you as always. It's great to have you back. So we're going to talk about um, a specific type of reconstruction or revision reconstruction. And for somebody who may not be familiar with that, could you talk, explain a little bit about what that is and can it be done after both mastectomy and lumpectomy or is it a very uh, specific thing? Revision reconstruction can be thought of in a bunch of different ways. I guess the first obligation we have to our listeners is to kind of give them a sense of what we mean by that. We use interchangeable terms. Sometimes we call it corrective reconstruction. Sometimes we call it a fix of a botched outcome. Sometimes we call it revision. But what we're basically talking about is repairing something that didn't produce the intended result, uh, fixing something that's broken, uh, redoing something that uh, for whatever reason didn't turn out the way it was hoped for, or there were some complication along the way that, that harmed the ultimate outcome and left deficiencies. With respect to Uh, When can you repair or correct something that uh, didn't produce a breast reconstruction that is optimal? Uh, It can be done after just about any scenario that leaves room for improvement. Uh, Those include uh, lumpectomies that have left a breast small or distorted or otherwise scarred in comparison with the other side, particularly when radiation is a component of that mix. Uh, It can be undertaken when an attempt at reconstruction following mastectomy uh, either didn't produce a a breast with proper shape or uh, the reconstructive attempt failed for whatever reason, be it an implant or a flap type operation, or if there were some complication along the way that left some residual disfigurement or, or some shortcoming. And that kind of leads into my, my next question. You gave some of the reasons why a woman might consider revision reconstruction. Um, are there others? I know I've talked to some women who have, say, ongoing pain from a reconstruction. And is that something that might, that someone might choose to think about revision reconstruction if, if that's happening? Sure. You know, when we talk about the core problems that are left after a reconstructive effort doesn't meet the measure of the mark, uh, those can include shape or scarification deformities, um, and they can include chronic pain issues. Um, It's not infrequent that uh, reconstruction, particularly with an implant or an expander, uh, leaves some residual pain as a result of capsular contracture or 
uh, some internal scarring or radiotherapy that contracted the envelope. Uh, by the same token, if someone has uh, never had reconstruction and they have uh, tactile pain along the ribs or along the side of the chest wall, uh, adding soft tissue and padding and protection can alleviate a lot of that. Um, and so there are multifaceted reasons someone might choose to undertake an effort at a, at a remediation, at a redo, at a fixer-upper. And then those can include all of those things that leave some, some negative impact on quality of life. So essentially, if a woman is not happy with her reconstruction, then it sounds like revision is almost always an option. Right. So that's the, you know, the good news and the encouragement in a scenario that um, seems to have a, 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 perhaps a, a, an exhausted set of options for improvement. If you're not, if the woman's not happy, if the woman's uh, dissatisfied for whatever reason, the, the patient, the client, uh, and they're left with chronic pain or they're left with uh, even modest issues, they're often with uh, new technologies, new approaches, and new attention to aesthetic detail are often ways to make things better. And so that's the, you know, the over, the overriding encouraging uh, message is that um, even though there may not be some obvious things uh, relative to your present care environment or things you've heard or things you've read about, uh, te technology is always on the move. And uh, we've come up with a lot of ways to re repair the broken and to correct what uh, I guess sometimes would seem the uncorrectable. And so those are all uh, those are good and optimistic thoughts to, to share with the audience. From your view, viewpoint as a surgeon, are would you use different techniques for a revision reconstruction than you would for an initial reconstruction? Or is it the same type of options available? So with respect to are the approaches um, different with a, uh, a redo or a corrective or a revision reconstruction, the, the short answer um, is yes and no. And as I uh, was alluding to, the question becomes, well, what has, what has been attempted so far? What resources have we used so far? Um, did someone have an effort in an abdominal flap that failed? And so that's no longer an option. Uh, did someone have an implant operation and they got an infection and lost some of their breast skin? So now we have to use a, a flap combination to rebuild that. So Revision and redo or corrective breast reconstruction is a whole level up in terms of uh, necessary expertise and combining of what I like to think, think about a multi-modality uh, reconstructive techniques to, to rebuild something that uh, may or may not, a person who may or may not still have the, the, the first choice options available anymore. And so that's where, you know, it's a, sort of a, an overutilized term, but thinking out of the box becomes an, uh, an absolute necessity sometimes for someone who's had multiple efforts and is left with a, a problematic situation. And we have to combine um, uh, the best of multiple things in the experience of uh, 10 or 20 years to come up with unique unique solutions to their problem at that point. Now, what about um, the recovery and the side effects? Are those pretty similar to 
original reconstructive surgery. I'm assuming if you use similar techniques, it, they probably would be, but I figured I should check. I would say that the, the recovery and side effects, again, are all reflective of what combination of, of procedures we've used. Um, if it's simply a matter of going in and alleviating some scar tissue in a painful implant reconstruction, uh, applying some dermal matrix or other things, very, very simple approaches, you know, the recovery is fairly minimal. If we need to combine multiple flaps, you know, then you have a few weeks of recovery to anticipate. But compared to the, the initial operation, not wildly different. Really, you know, in terms of practicality, basically the same. The question that is most important to everybody is the results. I know you talked about, you know, correcting the uncorrectable and fixing the unfixable. Um, in your experience, are most women happy when they have revision reconstruction? Can their issues be resolved? That's a superb question. And, and the answer is this. For someone who's been down a really hard road and uh, had failed efforts at uh, breast reconstruction, they've, they've experienced loss multiple times. They experienced the loss of their breast with mastectomy, and then they experienced the loss of the hoped reconstruction. And then if they had multiple efforts at that, they've gone through it over and over and over again uh, in some cases. And so when we can deliver a quality outcome to that person, they're, they're beyond delighted. They're, they're, their entire aura changes. Um, it, it's a phenomenal thing to watch. Um, and it's, you know, it's a fair bit of pressure on my side to, 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 to try to deliver that. But it's um, the, the level of satisfaction is, is uh, really beyond adjectives for me to, to deliver on, a, on an interview like this. It's, it's, it's transformative. Well, that's wonderful and really good to hear. Now, also from your viewpoint as a plastic surgeon, do you need any sort of extra or special training uh, to do a revision reconstruction as opposed to original reconstruction? Is that something that uh, a surgeon would specialize in or is it that as you get, you hone your craft and become very good at what you do, then people start referring the revisions to you? How does that work? The answer is B. So um, revision, redo, corrective, reconstruction, um, there, there really is no special training for that. That is a matter in terms of delivery of something in, in those cases, a matter of experience. And um, the, you know, the, the, the easiest way to think about it is if, if someone has gone through failed efforts at breast reconstruction and um, the initial easiest or first best options have fallen by the wayside, uh, now we need to be able to combine innovative techniques, and we need to have a practitioner who is well experienced in all forms of breast reconstruction on a daily and weekly basis, very experienced with implant reconstructions and what their limitations are, very experienced with every type a flap operation, very experienced with fat injection, very experienced with, uh, you know, every modality because, you know, we talk a lot about not trying to fit a patient into a procedure. Um, it, for someone who is coming back for correction of the failed effort, now, now we need to 
reach and find the best components of what we have left available to us. And sometimes it takes combinations of many of those things to deliver what we need to deliver. And so training and so forth sets the uh, foundation for being able to do that sort of work. But experience um, delivers the, 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 the practical ability to approach a very complex problem and then break it down into its associated parts and see potential where the initial uh, gestalt, the initial impression would be that, oh, this is, I, I, we can't do anything for you. To be able to see past that and figure out what kinds of things can deliver some quality and beauty um, is a matter of, of just voluminous experience and complete dedication to the art, I think. So if someone is looking for uh, a surgeon to do a revision surgery, it sounds like the best thing to do is look for someone with a lot of experience. In some ways that becomes intuitive because the, you know, the, the woman who f goes through a failed effort, and sometimes, you know, it's not controlled. It's not that these, it's a bad doctor or you have bad luck or, I mean, the human body is full of all kinds of um, quirks and black boxes and you know, asymmetries and things that sometimes can create the unexpected. However, a lot of those variables can be mitigated or controlled by by having someone take the reins who's who's been down that trail a thousand times. Um, you know, you you try to you try to play the odds in your favor because you know the reality is this: if we um, had a failed effort or two or three or however many times. And now we're going to give one good go at it for this last attempt to give something back that's going to be remarkable. Uh, we really don't want to take any chances with this one. We really, you know, we're, we're all in. And so let's give ourselves the best opportunity. And um, I, I think people and women and humans in general get that on a basic level when it gets to that point. Um, do, do your homework and then do it again and do it again and, and make sure that um, you're discriminating and don't be afraid to ask hard questions. I mean, you know, we're doctors of people too. And, you know, our job is to, is to serve you and to, to try to do the, the best we can for you. And don't be afraid to, to ask, to ask questions. And I think, you know, for someone who um, is dedicated to delivering quality and, and uh, empathy that the, the answers will be the answers will be the, you know you'll be able to read into the answers who who your who your best pick is to fly the plane for you as it were how common is revision reconstruction i've seen statistics on you know how many women decide to get reconstruction after breast surgery but i've never really seen any statistics on a rev, you know revisions you know, I don't have any national data that tell us, I don't know that there's any clearinghouse that tells us um, how many women have an operation that results in a deficiency of one variety or another, because as we talked about at the opening of our discussion, those deficiencies can be represented in a bunch of different ways. It can be chronic pain, it could be asymmetry, it could be scarification, it could be an over-failed flap, it could be an implant that extruded, it could be capsular, it could be, you know, just about anything under the sun. So I can only make a comment based on my um, 
some, somewhat distorted lens that I live in uh, for the work that we do. Uh, I mentioning before that you know, we've become sort of a referral center for difficult and complex cases based on our uh, history of doing a lot of this type of work over the years. Um, but for, for the given week and the given month and, and year and so forth, um, of, of the six or 700 individual breast reconstructions we may do here, uh, between two and 300 of them are redo or revisions. So the, my experience is between a third and half of what I do on a week and a month is correction of a, of a situation that didn't work or didn't work out or, or needs to be improved. So a lot. I guess the answer is a lot. That's, that's much higher than I thought you were going to say. So that's very interesting. But also at the same time, good to know that if it's that common that there are options for these people. So that's great. That's the encouraging side of it. And you, you must re- remember as well with respect to those numbers, again, my lens is distorted a little bit because th- uh, many of the people who uh, ring our phone are, are in that situation and reach out to us specifically for that. And, you know, so that, that should be considered. Right. It's not a random sample. Right, right. I have one last question for you. You kind of alluded to this earlier, but if a woman is looking for a plastic surgeon to do a revision, I know you you talked about ask some hard questions. Could you just give us a couple examples of some questions that you think are important to be asked of a surgeon before, you know, embarking on this this surgery together? Yeah, well, so so some simple ones that um, give you a sense of the breadth of. Uh, experience and the breadth of expertise. Um, you would want to know, does that surgeon routinely do implant reconstruction? Do they routinely do uh, um, alloderm-assisted implant reconstruction or acellular dermal matrix type reconstructions? Do they, do they have experience with reconstructions after nipple-sparing mastectomies? Do they have experience with flap operations? And of those flaps, what kinds do they do on a weekly basis, not Oh, I, I have done one, or I have done some, or I have done quite a many, quite a number of those. You kind of want to drill down on those sorts of things and get a sense for, well, on a given week, you know, how many implant reconstructions would you say your team does, and how many flat, what types of flaps do you do on a weekly and monthly basis? Um, do you do fat injection? Do you, you know, do do you do all those sorts of things? Um, do you have a a, a portfolio that I could review that show some of what, you know, a difficult situation might look like in terms of potential so that I can get some sense of, of what we're talking about here in terms of approach and, and then to give me a feel for what my outcome might look like. And, um, you know, even, even better than that, often a, a collection of patients who are willing to uh, describe their experience with their journey with an individual practitioner. So some very basic things like that. So just give one, two, three, and four. Number one, do you, do you do implants? Number two, do you do flaps and what kind? Number three, do you have a portfolio of photographs that I can see? And number four, do you have some patients I can talk to? You know, and that'll get you a long way down the road right there. And then, you know, the rest becomes the getting a feel for, a feeling, getting a feel for, you know, how, how, dedicated someone might be to, to, to uh, going back in and undoing some difficult work or some or redoing someone else's, uh, some other surgeon's product 
um, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a whole echelon up in terms of dedication to the art. And if, if that practitioner doesn't have an interest in that or, or they're not accustomed to doing many of those, then they shouldn't be asked to try to do it because it's not in their wheelhouse. And so, you know, the patient would then move on to another uh, uh, practitioner for consideration. So be, you know, like interviewing an employee or interviewing anyone who you're trying to determine whether um, they might be good to be uh, partners with. That, that's all very helpful. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Jamie.